Hello and welcome to Kinky and Curious. I'm Kennedy. And I'm Lisa. And we are here today to introduce Emma Bardot. I would like to ask Lisa, how would you describe Emma? For me, she's the bougiest bitch I know, always has the best outfits, the poutine queen, and she's hilarious (laughs) on top of it all. I tune into her Instagram stories every day for a good laugh while being informed on trans issues. I met Emma through attending fetish events here in Vancouver, and over time we became friends through mutual friends of ours. We just had to get her on here to talk about her experience being a trans French Canadian woman out here in Vancouver. Although we're losing her very soon, she is moving back to French Canada. Mm-hmm. We'll miss her dearly, but who knows? Maybe Kinky and Curious will take a trip over there one day and she can show us around the Kinky Quebec scene. <laughs> so, a little uh, statistic here three in five trans women experience intimate partner violence since the age of 16 in Canada. On a very heavy note, Emma, can you introduce yourself? Hello. Now I'm nervous. So much pressure. (laughs) My God, that was a good description. (laughs) Um, My name is Emma Bardo. I do happen to speak French. I uh, lived in Vancouver for three years now. I hate it. (laughs) Um, I'm a tall, dominant French goddess. That's how my clients like to call me. I would agree. Yes. And I can, I'm curious about that statistic that you just gave, gave us about the three out of five trans women. I'm pretty sure it's like five out of five. You think it's five out but of five? I mean, no one ever asked really? me about that. So I wonder where they took those numbers. numbers. Yeah, I think this is just intimate partner violence. So I think they're only considering this like, I don't know if they would consider that like Johns or people you're actually like romantically involved with. Causing Which, violence against? Yeah. I think yeah. intimate partner violence is usually when you're in a committed relationship. Yeah. The partner they, they is abusive. They wouldn't include someone that you just hooked up with. Probably, okay. Right? But they would... I'm still... I, every time it comes around, like, trans statistic, I think it's always BAs because, again, no one asked us, like... Were you asked? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever asked me if I, I was abused or... <laughs> no. No. So, the... Yeah, I'm always, like... Skeptical, skeptical with yeah. those kind of stuff. <laughs> you said Again, it. You got it. English yeah. is my third language. So. Third. <laughs> yes, queen. That's French a secret and... for another episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. The Quebecois episode. Yes. <laughs> oh, fabulous. I love that. Um, okay. So the first few questions we have here are just some icebreakers we like, like to ask everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your favorite sex toy? I don't use them. Oh. I don't like sex toys. How come? Why not? I do have a bad um, experience with them. Not like personally, but most of the time. um, I mean, obviously, I don't need to use sex toys in my day-to-day job because I use my own genitals. But most of the time when I have to work with like a cisgender dominatrix, for example, I feel like most of them always feel so threatened by my own genitals. So like the relationship I have with dildos and like other sex toys they always have to be bigger for them they always hmm. and it's just always that kind of competition hmm. and I, I just associate that kind of competition with sex toys so I'm just not into it and I don't use them personally anyway so hmm. no cock rings no butt plugs no. wow wow that's fascinating that is good for Very you boring. no <laughs> <laughs> do you use ever like restraints implements no nope, not even nothing like that no just these two hands yeah right here. they're strong enough <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. Okay, next question. What is the last tab opened on your internet browser? Do I have to look now? Yes, you do. Oh we need, this I is know hard it's scary. journalism. We need the truth. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. it's just my OnlyFans. Oh, it's your OnlyFans. <laughs> Only that's fair a dedicated content creator yeah yeah always well, hustling i'm just looking i don't really answer <laughs> <laughs> unless there's some money yeah or, no or if there's sex? a tip i will answer You'll say <laughs> yeah be sure to follow emma bardo on her only fans yes under, is that your only fans? yeah it's yeah. yes emma bardo on social um okay i forgot to mention as well we're also drinking wine oh, yeah. today we're drinking last wine. time we were doing mimosas, mimosas. some champy and um orange juice today we're doing bodacious box wine yeah very classy um, transphobic <laughs> the jury's still out <laughs> and lisa and i are in our outfits from last night oh yeah we I fully wore these out. I, I i rinsed my latex at least that's good <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we totally forgot i changed to i changed my underwear so I'm wearing actually the wrong underwear for this outfit, but that's okay. We said no one would notice, but then you just go ahead and point it out. I just pointed it out. And but I'm sitting down. Not everyone right is I know. Spend <laughs> the polka rest dot of does not match. Staring at your genitals. But I think that's already probably how they spend most of their time. I would agree. They're just trying to see up there. <laughs> Who's the last person you spoke on the phone with? Like, like talking? Like, like <clears throat> not as a work call. Like, just... Yeah. Conversation. Yeah, in your personal life. By text or by like no, you no spoke. So spoke. It was with Kendall Gender and Miss Patch. Um, we were talking about some arrangement that needs to be done for a special project that we have. Ooh. Surprise! Oh, surprise! Surprise! Yeah, this yeah. is third episode of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and can we assume this project is uh, it's probably something very very gay? Probably. Probably. Yeah. So. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> 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 so uh like gay in a good way yeah let's put it out that is, out is there is there gay in a bad way well well yeah i mean i don't think we use that word as a bad connotation no. anymore I, no well, what's the, the last time you heard someone say that's gay mm. i haven't heard that in a long time I, you don't hang out with cis heteronormative <laughs> probably yeah i do have a younger brother who used that term quite frequently wow really yeah. but i know it doesn't come from a bad place but He's still very straight. Right. That's painful. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Wow. <laughs> that must be so hard for you. That seems so, uh, like, that takes me back <laughs> to, like, high school. Yeah. You know? Let's so, like, long there. ago. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about aging. Who's who's scared of aging? Hands up. A verbal hands up. Who's, who's I mean, their hands up? I don't know if I'm scared, but do I look forward to it? Not really. I'm, yeah, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, like, a halfway up. Like, does anybody look forward to aging? Yeah. I don't know. I do, actually. You do? Yeah. I think it's a very, and very interesting topic for trans women, especially trans women of color, considering that the average age of trans women would be like 30 to 33 years <gasps> old. That's and so young. As I'm turning 30 this year, I am very excited to um, beat the odds and be that old, crusty oh trans woman <laughs> who successfully works sex work. Yes. And experience life, and I think it's beautiful to see myself getting older because I never actually pictured that. You know, when you're young, people always ask you, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And that, like, I've never had that concept in my head because I never thought I would make it more than eighteen, and then I got eighteen, and then twenty, and then you know, it's. 
So it's very, I'm very excited actually to get to be older. Let's put it that, yeah, that way. Yeah, to be an so, old tranny. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can say I've ever met anyone that's excited to be an elder icon because you know you see elder icons in every sort of aspect of media mm-hmm. right you have the the old asians and the old lesbians and the old you know everywhere but like like just right now if we think about it we think famous trans person who do you think there's a bunch Lover caitlin jenner caitlin well, jenner I mean, I mean, yeah but yeah but caitlin so came out that, so yeah, late i know a she, lot of elder trans women probably have trend like medically transitioned past the age of 30 Right, yes. which would make the most sense because if I don't, I cannot recall of a trans woman that still have a platform to this day, being past thirty years old. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah, I, and now Levering Cox is older, but yeah. still, like, it's it started late for her as well. So right, yeah, they also have the privilege of experiencing like the cis heteronormative life prior to transitioning. So I think that helped. I didn't have that privilege, so. So when when did your transition start? I socially transitioned. I was very young. Everyone <laughs> in my family knew that I was trans. Like it was very clear from day one. My grandmother used to make me wear girls' pajama when I was in the carry on, and she would have fight with my dad because <laughs> she was like, "No, that's a girl." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, she, Your grandma my, my, outed you. Yeah, she's actually uh, 89 years old, and she's the first one who called me by my preferred name before it was changed legally. Um, she got me rebaptized when my grandfather passed away, because for her, was, she's very religious, and it was very important for her, yes. for me to be rebaptized with my name, Emma. So, oh, um, that's yeah. so beautiful. And I then that. I would say medically, I started transitioning. I was around 15 years old. And then here we are. Okay. I do have a very interesting, I believe, in my opinion, uh, journey towards like my medical transition because I do come from another era of... It's hard to explain, but we had to do this kind of path or follow this path actually to be a trans woman. Otherwise, you wouldn't be considered a trans woman. And we had this big competition in between us of like, who's doing the most plastic surgery, who's taking the most hormones. or mm. So you have to start very young so then you don't have any like opposite gender feature coming out of you. Mm-hmm. To be passable. Yeah, exactly. Right? To be passable. And yeah. it's probably one of the my least favorite words. The most yeah, right. Oh, it's, yeah. Term, 100%. I, passable. I hate that because Pass- I'm totally against, against that. What, who yeah. decide what's passable, quote unquote, uh, in regard of gender? Like, because... I don't think I'm less passable because my feature look a certain way. Like I, it's just so wrong. Yeah. And you know, it puts yeah. so much pressure on trans women because we all have that inside of us that, Oh my God, we need to be socially accepted. So we want to be as passable as possible, but for who to please who? Like right. the male gate. Yeah. The patriarchy. Like, go fuck yourself. Totally. Like, yeah. If any so, of you are still using the term passable, let's just, throw that out of our vocabulary let's do that let's do that (laughs) yeah i love that i have a question about that too emma so um when i took my clinical sexology degree they brought in a panel of trans folks and it was really my first experience of being able to ask a lot of questions and hear about different experiences of people going through transition and they had different age groups as well which was really great and one of the folks on the panel said 
that for them, when they started doing hormone replacement therapy, it was really like the game changer. That was the thing that really solidified for them. Okay, now I feel like myself. And if you, if it was like a phase, if maybe it was something that wasn't really for you, the hormone replacement therapy really made that clear. Does that, is that something that makes sense to you? Um, not really. Okay. I think uh, I've been through the process of HRT. Uh, that's like the acronym, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. The hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. So I've been taking hormones for twelve years of my life. I stopped almost. It's been three years that I've stopped. Oh wow! Um, I think taking hormones back in the day was re- very reaffirming for my own like gender expression. Uh, I don't think now it's necessary on my way of like looking at myself, the way I feel, the way I. I want to experience life because it's medicine. So it does affect your body, not always in the right way. Mm. Uh, I think also at that time when I started hormones, it was a different, we didn't have as much knowledge as we do have today. So mm-hmm. I was, I always felt like I was a rab lat. Right. A rab. Rab. Lab rat. Lab rat. I said it too. You said it. And I fully was like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what you said. Rab lat. <laughs> rab lat. Yeah, it's a rab lat. I'm a rab lat. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what the proper way is. Lab rat. Got it. Got um, it. <laughs> but yeah, I think if someone feels like it's uh, reaffirming care that they need, I fully support that. I think it's important to make your own research. I think also um, doctors are right. They study medicine, but they're not always right. And the best person to know your body is yourself. Mm. So always listen to your body. Uh, If it's not enough, it's enough. If it's too much, it's too much. And it's a very personal choice. I don't consider that you need to medically transition to be a trans person. Mm -hmm. Because it's beyond that. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel like we should work towards the idea that it's not a requirement anymore mm-hmm. to be trans, to go under those type of like process, hormone, plastic yeah. surgery, and etc. Invasive and procedures. Yeah. yeah. Life-threatening even sometimes, oh, right? percent. Yeah. It's dangerous. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, in my personal experience, if I didn't stop hormone, I would probably have died. Really? Yeah. What are some of the ill effects of HRT? Uh, I think in my case, my main concern was um, that my doctor was using me as a rat, a lab rat. Lab rat, <laughs> we got it. <laughs> but uh, and she didn't really know what she was doing, so I had to like gauge my own level by myself. And then physically, at some point, I was feeling good, but at some point, I was not. And then I was like, okay, but what should I do now? Like, yeah. And then I. F- felt like stopping was the best thing for me because you know hormones they manage everything in your body yes. regardless if you're trans or not yeah uh, it's like probably one of the most important system of your body so if you fuck with that yeah then your body doesn't feel good at all time mm-hmm. and it affects know, a lot since, of other systems like, since yeah. i've stopped i have energy i'm horny again i am functional because that's also a side effect of uh hormone replacement therapy um, I have a will to live, I am hungry, like all those kind of things that should be normal for a human being <laughs> yeah. came back when I stopped taking hormones. So, and again, I don't want people to think that it's going to be the same for everyone, but in my personal experience, mm-hmm. I feel better without them. 
and also the physical change that hormone can bring you in my experience and like where I'm at in my like medical transition I don't think they were helping me like no more right I don't I was not expecting any more change from taking hormones over 12 years right the change were done already mm-hmm. so awesome. okay well, I love we're that. Gonna take-, take a quick break and you'll hear from our sponsors are very, very generous sponsors. <laughs> Hi, welcome Hi. back to King King Curious. Welcome back, everyone. So I wanted to ask about your transition from vanilla, because I know you did hair. I Just briefly, I found that out because... I didn't know because that. Because I was at her house doing a photo shoot for school, and she's like, oh, yeah, I used to take over uh, hair gigs for this girl when she was doing this thing. And I'm like, hair, that's always, okay, now I understand why your hair is. It's always amazing. Laid and slayed. I understand that. But how did you make the, was that your first job that you did out of high school? And how did you transition into sex work? Oh, I love this question. So I started to do hair because my mom used to own a hair salon in our basement. So I would do like wash at the age of eight years old. Uh, and then I taught when I finished high school I taught oh like that's what I know so I'm gonna do that and I was good at it so Mm -hmm. I tried I finished my uh, school in hairdresser hairdressing I don't know how you call that in English but Mm -hmm. to be a hairdresser yes and um, I decided that that was not for me actually that was something I like to do just for fun Uh, and then I moved to Montreal and then I was working at Payless uh, Payless shoe store Rest in yeah. peace, Payless. Yes. Yeah, rest in oh peace. Oh my uh, god, my first pair of heels was from Payless. <laughs> I miss Payless. Um, the location I used to work in Montreal closed, and then I became like uh, jobless. And I had this friend who was doing escort, and she introduced me to the world of sex work. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got, I dipped my toes in it. Um, uh, I was doing the street. We were posting ad on the newspaper. That's wow. That's how old I am. Old school. I know. Amazing. Um, and then I met my ex-husband, and he didn't want me to do this job, and I was kind of annoyed with me doing this job because back in the days, I was very submissive. I thought that that was the only way of actually working to be successful being a trans woman so I was doing what everyone else was expecting me to do and I hated it so I quit and then I went back to school and I became a dental hygienist and then, yeah and then during COVID um obviously the clinic closed and then I was like well I already have an OnlyFans and then I slowly started to work at that massage parlor that a friend of mine um was uh, being the manager and she asked me to do one days per week to help her and I was like sure whatever and I was like well you know what like I kind of miss sex work and now that I don't have to do it based on survival it's actually my choice to do it I can do and be whoever and whatever I want so why not do something that I actually enjoy and that's how I became the ball kicker that I am today That is an insane story. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect any single, uh, for some reason. I will my... write a book one day. Yes. Maybe and a short I'm... film too. Yes. Or a long film. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll let us uh, do the documentary though, right? You'll, you'll give us first, uh, oh, first pick. <laughs> first crack we're, at we're it. We're going to get the first crack. And then every subsequent 
project is is just it's just is is just a re- redo all the ours. sequels yeah. all the sequels we're the original yeah. we're gonna be the originals <laughs> that is crazy that's, that's so how wild. did you find working the streets that was probably my best experience in the sex industry really uh, i've heard this before actually tell me more tell me more it was my probably most traumatizing experience but also um so i feel like there's a there's a big difference between prostitution with cisgender women and transgender women because being trans and doing the street was the easiest way for us to access uh money rapidly Mm -hmm. because we didn't have ads on the internet back in the day so it was like the newspaper but then in the newspaper the risk of having someone that would be disappointed because they had expectation and no picture Mm. was too high and it was too unsafe for us to do so I, I was still doing it and I was I guess I was good looking because I never had any issue and I think I'm privileged in in that sense but Working the street was, and it was also very interesting because when I started to do the street, there was already like um, some people that were there before me that had made like power over their corner. And like, this is my corner, this mm-hmm. is her corner. And they had like a typical rate that all the girls would also follow, which was like 60 bucks, I think, for a full service behind a church. And when wow. I started to do the street, I was like, there is no way. I'm going to suck a dick for $60. First of all, I don't even like that. And second of all, if you don't have $200, don't even think about me sitting in your car. So for you, full service is fellatio? No, but like full service has like penetration and like oh, low job. Okay. Like okay. a full service could... could you, you would consider anything past a hand job full service? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when someone else insert their genital inside into of an body. orifice, exactly. Yeah, that's a full service. Um, and then, so I started this trend of screaming to the car, "It's two hundred And then all the other girls started to do that, and I will take the blame because I think it's a nice blame or or the credit. The yeah. Cre- yeah, yeah. Let's put it that way uh, <laughs> of the increase of the rates in Montreal for sex work because still. Up to this day, people are complaining because of me. Because they think that our current rate are too expensive, as if inflation doesn't affect also sex work. Yeah, of course. From many, many a tourist, especially tourists coming from Amsterdam, saying that we have, like, the most expensive prostitutes yeah. in the world here. Now yeah, in Amsterdam York. especially, it's very cheap. Very You can yeah. get a yeah. full service, as in, like, like like anal with a cisgendered woman for a hundred bucks. Yeah, a hundred euros. Which is but the it's difference just crazy is, here. Uh, Amsterdam is well known internationally for the sex industry. Yeah, sex work industry. So there's a lot of competition. I've worked many times in Amsterdam, and I've never followed those rules because I don't believe in competition. I think we're all unique, and we all have something to offer that is different. So if someone wants to see me because of the person that I am and what I can provide to them, they have to assume my rate, yeah. who are based in my location, experience, the time I'm investing with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not only physical, because the physicality is just about a picture. Yes, I'm into you. Now what's next, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then I have my most amazing memories about sex work doing this because it was a time for me to be with my friend and to bond with the community in Montreal because it was a hard 
like I learned it hard, you know, with gunshot and like people threatening them, like each other because I was working their corner. Or, it's very like what you would think what? of like the prostitution that yeah. was it in Montreal. What would you even wear as a prostitute in Montreal? It must be so, <laughs> so cold. So, oh cold. my god! Talking that, about some like, friend. How recently. are you selling ass in a ski suit? I know. No. Like I was. <laughs> That's I what I wanted to know. Having this thoughts with one of my close friends from Montreal, and I was like, this is very interesting because I used to do the street at minus 40, like full snowstorm and full like um, high heels with open toes and like oh the, the shortest skirt that you can think of. And I would never complain about the cold. And I just don't, I think it's... You get used to it? I don't know. When you're young, I know that at the end of my era doing the street, I did do coke. Because it was the only way for us to keep warm. Yeah. That's the only reason I was doing coke, actually. Um, but I don't know. I, like, <laughs> you just get used to it, I guess. Well, so are you wearing, like, a sexy dress underneath your jacket just, so you can open it up? No, like, just normal clothes, but more, like, sex. Because the thing is, it was still illegal. It, well, it's still, sex work is still illegal, but, but. it's unconstitutional now. Yeah. But back then, I was also the last person in Canada to be arrested by the morality in 2012. Yes. Yeah. So they used my case uh, to make the law around uh, prostitution unconstitutional. <laughs> you what? didn't know, but I used to be a star. Oh my <laughs> God. You used to be? Used to be so when when they challenged the laws Mm -hmm. with the Supreme Court, and it went to to, in 2014, and then they got brought in the Nordic model. You were part of that. Yeah. What? Mind blown. That's amazing. You you did mention that you said trans girls here in Vancouver are very privileged. What do you mean by that? I don't think they have experienced the same experience that girls from the East Coast deal with. I feel like. When you look about, like, education toward trans people, I feel like people on the West Coast, even if it doesn't look like, they're well more aware of the situation. Uh, I don't think they're doing a better job, but at least people know. And when I look around my trans friend that I have here in Vancouver, most of their family are very supportive, and it's not something that we're used to. And again, I don't want to be, like, I don't want to put everyone in the same boat, but... In my experience, that's like that's not what I've experienced. Like when you go to Montreal and you meet trans women, most of the time they're not from Montreal. They had to move to Montreal because staying in their small town in Quebec was too dangerous for them. Yeah. And then we just end up in the same big city and we all become a big family. And here it's like everyone is doing their thing for themselves because they have kind of a support system mm. around them. Mm-hmm. So it's very refreshing in a way because mm-hmm. I like to see that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I also think that they don't share the same experience. Like, I've I've met so many trans women here who do not have to do sex work to survive. And to me, that's brilliant because that was not my case. Yeah, it's not an option. The case of my, it was not even an option. I had Back to do it if I wanted to eat. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and it's not so long. I'm only 29 years old. But, so but when you no, think about I that, think everyone... it's not so long ago. Yeah. You know, I started to do the street. I was 16. So crazy. It's like, no, that's, that's yesterday. Yeah. So. You blink. Literally, you, yeah. you blink and that time passes by. So you mentioned that people out here have pretty supportive networks and probably families. Yeah. Was your family supportive to you when uh, you were transitioning? It's a interesting journey. Mm-hmm. I do not talk with my everyone from my father's side. They're 
redneck people from New Brunswick. Mm. Um, and that's okay. I've, <laughs> I live in peace <laughs> with this. It was my decision anyway. Um, and from my mom's side, I do have contacts with some of my family members. I have an aunt that lives here in Vancouver that I'm very close. I do have a weird relationship with my mom, but it's not because I'm trans. It's more for other factors. Mm. Um, but I think like moving to Montreal and meeting all those friends that are now my family, like those like cheesy expression about your chosen yeah. family. But yeah. I, I think it's actually true because that's my experience. And I consider my chosen family more important than my actual like mm -hmm. blood related family. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so your Instagram is the most <laughs> popping thing out of like any any time I see like and I'm so honored to have taken the photo that is on your profile right now. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it. I, I have to see it. I took that photo. Oh, I'm so You're terrible. You're also in a reel and a post on my Instagram. In a reel. Oh, yeah. from I the know, escape I am, room. I am. No, 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 you no, actually no. Have from two the Valentines. Now. You I have know. Two posts. I'm shocked. I'm. I'm. <laughs> actually, I shouldn't out myself like this. Now everyone's gonna freaking no, go and find me. She's outed. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. It is what it so is. It happens when you have famous but friends. Your Instagram is so fun. How long have you been this open about your your life? Like, because oh you get you get very personal on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. You get very general. You share a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of issues that's happening with trans mm -hmm. folks in Canada, in the states, in French speaking countries. In non-French speaking countries, you're you're always staying really informative. How long have you been that open on social media? Oh, since day one. Oh. Uh, it has been such a pain in my ass because <laughs> I remember being younger and I grew up with technology and social media and like I had my first Instagram account when it like started in 2010, I believe, or even before that mm -hmm. actually. Um, 2008 I think or something like this yeah, yeah I think I was just entering high school which yeah. is 2000 my parents didn't allow us to have internet at home because uh, for I don't even know why actually it wasn't even like a financial no thing? like no we had internet at work my parents used my mom used to own a movie theater as well oh and we do we did have internet my mom's an the, entrepreneur yeah right? she's a businesswoman she's I a will business I, like yeah. I have to give that to her I'm taking that from her <laughs> My dad is a sugar baby. I'm taking that from him. <laughs> um, so, <I'm> dead. <laughs> but I like I've always been very vocal on social media, and I remember being young and having my entire family like blaming me for being like that because it was so dangerous and like uh, mm, you could lose yep. your job, right? And I, like, and I was like, so what's the point of having those type of social media if you cannot be true to yourself? And like, if you don't like what I post on my social media, I'm like, people always think that I'm a, a character or a it's an alter ego or persona, but it's actually who I am. Like, mm -hmm. I am like that all the time. I'm maybe more quiet when I'm not on social media because I don't talk about issues all the time. But it's like, where's the place then to be real and authentic if it's not social media? Um, but yeah, I've always been like that. I think a lot of people use social media as like the highlight reel to well, just show. And it's, and it's fine because. I mean, that's a, a business perspective of, like, if you want to sell something, you want to show what's, what's best about that thing that you want to sell. But I feel like being a sex worker, and I always emphasize on being a human being, even with my clients. And, like, and I think that for the people to see that I'm actually 
a real person with feelings and emotion and values and a personality, then it just makes me more personable. And mm -hmm. even if I kick balls again for a living, like, <laughs> I'm a chill ball kicker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's why I'm so stoked to really start this podcast is to show people that OnlyFans models, Instagram girls, gamer girls, We're all just human. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we all have gone through the runner. And all of that is just a part of our personality. Exactly. It's not the person that we are fully. So a lot of, of my time. favorite yeah. things that you did on Instagram recently is Emma was approached by a man at a bar. And I guess he tried to, you know, hit on her. Emma was not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What happened? I'm just trying to figure out what which, which story because I'm I'm every story starts. Oh my god, I just remember. No, no, okay. Now you know, now you know. Okay. She was not interested in this man, so he first threatened to take her visa away because obviously he thought she was an immigrant. Yeah. And she said, I'm a Canadian. So because he said uh, he I, he works at the passport office. But I didn't so, told him that I was a Canadian. No, she just said. I asked him, Are you boy. threatening me to cancel my visa because I'm not interested in entertaining you right now. So what did he do next? <laughs> he, so after that, after that conversation, I was so mad I had to go outside to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. And I just took my scarf and my purse. And when I came back, he was gone and he stole my winter jacket. No. I swear to God. She went to... <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. She went to the staff. And got them to show her the video of him doing it. She yeah. fully saw it. Get she said, out. This is the man that hit on me, and I rejected him. So he stole my jacket, and she printed the photo and of this man, and it's framed now. in her house of him stealing <laughs> her jacket. To Montreal. <laughs> to remind her to never come the fuck back to yeah. Canada. Oh, you oh, you to Canada. Have you seen me wearing a, a jacket tonight? Yes. No. No, just I just this. your red, yeah, red blazer. blazer. Just whatever you can carry. I'm not know. wearing any jacket anymore. I'm traumatized. Oh my god, that's insane! You don't yeah. want to report him, I guess. I did. You did? Okay, good. But the police don't care. They don't care. I know about I a have, jacket. I was sexually assaulted a year ago by my Uber driver, and that I remember seeing that still story. Still, nothing is happening. So I'm sorry. I'm assuming so. that they couldn't care less that a trans woman got her winter jacket stolen at yeah. a very bougie restaurant. So, yeah. Yeah. So is that your general experience with police all, all across Canada? I'm sorry. All across Canada. Your Uber driver sexually assaulted you. Yeah, and kidnapped me. Brought daylight on a Tuesday afternoon. What? Yeah. Like locked the doors and like yeah. took you away? Yeah. And nothing happened to this no. person? That, that can't. That I can't. I can't. driving Uber. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think they're still driving Uber, probably. but they're still driving. Which is concerning yeah. because... What the fuck? Yeah, that's... Uh, mm -hmm. And, like, he's been uh, asked to go to court uh, three times and he never showed up. And I just received an email from the person who's helping me at the Weva. Weva. Yes, yes, Weva. Um, and then they were like, we don't have any news to give you. And we're so sorry. Like, we don't understand. Like, they have his address. They know where he lives. Like, and I'm like, can you just give it to me? So I'll fix it. Take that. care of it myself? Just give me an hour. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I just need one Unbelievable. <gasps> How did you get... So, did you escape? How did so, you escape? Uh, the, the door was taped. Like, the the knob of the door was taped. So, I poked it with my nails while he was driving. And then, he had a, a machete on the front seat. I know my life is, should be recorded as a movie. 
Um, and then he knew who I was. And it was just like, to be honest, it was just a bad luck that I sat in his car and he happened to know who I was. And he had this idea of like having sex with someone that day. And it just happened that he knew who I was and was already fantasizing about having sex with me. So that was, that was quite like the universe liked to play games with me. And this game was like a little too far. Yeah. Testing you. Oh my God. So you cut the tape with your nails. Yeah, I I poked the tape. And then I I was able to open the door and then I just throw my six foot two body (laughs) out of the Toyota Corolla. (laughs) Oh my God. And you ran for your life. So in in this movie of your life, who would play you? Oh, I like that question. Oh my God, that's a very good question. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I don't know actually. Yeah, who has the goal? Who has the goal? We should do like a casting or something for that. But it would probably take years. I think you should be yourself. I don't think so. No? No, because I. No, because we need we need the teenage Emma. We need the oh, the, I see, Emma. I you see. Gotta, yeah, you gotta get a few. Maybe Emma can play now. Emma, yeah. present day. Emma. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Got, you we have to have a cameo. The, we gotta get the younger <laughs> Emma. <story>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. What advice would you have for youth today that are trying to sort out their gender identity? Well, Google. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> and that goes also to people who. Uh, wants to educate themselves just because, not because they're seeking their self-identity. Yeah, to support trans kids. So if we're talking about trans people trying to figure out themselves, my best advice would be not to take that too seriously because I always tell people that are not trans, like, don't try to understand us because we don't even understand, like, ourselves. So, and it's not that deep. As long as, like, you do things that makes you comfortable, make you feel good, or, like, bring positivity in your life, that's how it matters mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And what people care, what people think, actually, we don't care about that because everyone will have an opinion always. I do have opinions on people that I do share on social media, if you're interested. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what, what, can we, can, can we just know, what is your Instagram? My, you mean my handle on Instagram? Or your handle, of course. It's emma.bardo. Yeah. B A R D O T. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's it. And Emma with one M. One M. Yes. It used to be Emma YVR, right? Yeah, but. No more. No, no longer. It, no, and it's so dangerous. This morning, actually, I received a message on my OnlyFans from this person telling me that um, he was wishing me like good luck on my journey moving out of Vancouver and that he lives uh, in the building in front of me while mentioning the street that I live. And that he was he was seeing me packing through my so window. So he's watching you. And then that he likes to see me at the coffee shop I go every morning. And it's so I'm, I'm gonna avoid no. Are you yeah, so, saying so do you think location. you're gonna take it a little bit less off of social media? No, I'm not gonna. Take no, you're it. gonna continue to be you. I'm right? still yeah, but I'm just not. Maybe gonna not be. filming from your window no, in your house exactly. anymore, right? And yeah. my new apartment that I'm moving has no window. In Excuse the workroom, so in the workroom. Oh, the workroom. There you go. Yeah. no, no. There's window everywhere in my okay. house. I'm like, I girl, are you window. moving into a dungeon? No. Well, one more question I have for you: What are your plans for the future, for your career, and just for your yourself? I don't really like the question, <laughs> but I do have an explanation for that. Uh, Again, as someone who's very excited to get older, 
because I don't have representation, I feel like, or I don't mm -hmm. see any other example, I'm still in that mindset that I'm going to die yesterday. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard for me to know what life has for me in like the five or ten years range. I would say, though, that I would love to keep growing my business on uh, social media and the internet. I'm working very hard right now with my website that I build in myself. I'm very proud of that because I, I really hate like your website. technology. I love your website. Thank you so much. It's, um, it's very user-friendly on mobile and laptop. Yeah, that Not that I've checked it out on both. <laughs> <laughs> research, um, research. I'm trying to uh, sell my own content by myself it's a bit triggering with like payment processor because in Canada there's no actual payment processor that supports sex work so mm -hmm. but I've, I have a solution and now I'm trying very hard for this to happen Good. because I don't think we should keep supporting platform yeah. that takes uh, 25 only to 40% of your income but yeah. hashtag only fans and Etsy yeah or yeah. well and yeah. don't get me wrong like I think those platforms are great that they should take some money because they provide us visibility they but do but that's a huge they chunk. also should provide um, a good platform if you're going to take 25 to 40 percent of and my and maybe income. actually mm. pay people out if yeah. you're you know also because we have a lot of friends in Canada it's in a that very issue big problem with for being paid out, out. yeah, yeah. Hmm. I found it so funny to see an OnlyFans model have a booth at the um, Taboo Sex Show this year. They asked me how to start an OnlyFans. You know, I really just wanted to punch her in her face. So <laughs> is that uh, the problem with payouts because it's a cross-border payment? Is that why that's um, the problem? So the problem is that the payment processor of OnlyFans is MasterCard, which uh, is a Christian-owned conservative yeah. company. Uh, and they do have a bunch of rules that, uh, refrain us creator to do certain things mm -hmm. uh, or just to speak about certain things you can't even write some words on OnlyFans they're prohibited uh, and now the problem is that they're always trying to find solution to block with laws and like rules and stuff like that from Canadian people especially to not receive their money because all my friends that do OnlyFans that are not sex worker never encounter that issue where their payout is being rejected because they don't have the good bank information. And I've, I only have one bank account in Canada that I had for over the past 10 years. So it's surprising to me when I receive that email that, oh, your bank information are wrong, which they haven't changed. Right. And it's always the same thing, same thing, same thing. So it's always just, so now I'm using a third party for my payout, but they take another 5%. And yeah. So it's, it's a pain in the ass, but... Soon enough, I will be able to sell my own content yes. and have the money directly in my pocket. <laughs> Amen. Which and we like. No middleman. We don't like the no, middleman. We don't no. like the party. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know about. I f I want to keep doing sex work. That's for sure. I I know for a fact that I was born to be a prostitute, um, and I want to do it as long as possible. I do believe that there's a niche for everything and everyone in that industry. So it doesn't matter if you're. 75 years old, very wrinkly, uh, or with stinky feet, you will always have a niche it's true. in the sex industry. Yeah. So I, Sometimes I, think, I wish I had stinky feet. <laughs> oh, I could yeah, have made a lot more money. Oh my God, so much money you could make. They don't sweat enough. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to do and stay in the sex industry for as long as possible. I think it's beautiful and yeah. 
I love that. That's my goal. Awesome. I love that. Thanks for sitting down with us, Emma. Well, Thank you so much. Final cheers. I haven't. I'm, I'm gonna yep. pour some of yours. In Final cheers. Bad luck. Okay. Here we go. All right. Cheers. cheers. Cheers, ladies. Thank you. To your aging. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I-